Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. Why church? We're talking today about being informed about knowledge. Biblical illiteracy in North America is a bit of a challenge. It's a huge issue. Uh, In secular culture, people just don't know what the Bible says. But if you can believe it, it's also an issue uh, within uh, Christian circles as well. Many people maybe revere and respect the Word of God, but by and large, they don't read the Word of God. We are living in a time when biblical illiteracy is probably at an all-time high in the history of our nation. Did you know that they've conducted various surveys, but in one survey they conducted, they found that half of the people they surveyed could not name the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Many of them, the majority, could not identify two or three of Jesus' 12 disciples. 60% of those surveyed could not name five out of ten commandments. No wonder they're broken so readily. 81%, and this is of Christians, believe that God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. And if you think it is, it's not. Hopefully nobody here is in that 81%. The majority thought that the most important teaching in the Bible, that the purpose of our lives is to be taking good care of our families, which is not the most important thing in the Bibles. There is a a feeling uh, among people that... Um, Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Randy, I wonder if you could get Joanne to give the uh, the uh, computer a kick. It doesn't seem to be working. Thank you. Joan of Arc, Noah's wife. Fifty percent of graduating high school seniors believe that. Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And many of them believed that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. And so we have this situation where we cannot expect secular, postmodern people, people that wouldn't identify themselves as being Christian. There's, there's this understanding that um, we can't expect them to, to believe and live by the word of God because it's something very foreign to most people in the world today. They know less and less about what the Bible teaches. And... Unfortunately for many believers, 
they may find themselves in a very similar situation. When we think of issues like gender identity and human sexuality and creation, abortion, we understand that in the world today, people's values, understanding, and beliefs about these things are not shaped by the Bible or what the Bible teaches because most people don't know what the Bible says about it. And so we're left to kind of fend for ourselves and make it up along the way or just believe whatever is popular. The question is, as believers, are our values being shaped by the Word of God? Are our ethics, are our beliefs about certain important issues being shaped by the Word of God? Or are we being molded and conformed into the image of, of the world? It, it is important that we do more or we do better than being saved and having our sins forgiven. We need to do better than that. We need to have a knowledge and an understanding of what our faith is based on, on what our God teaches, and what we actually believe in. Because if we don't, it leads us to some very dangerous places. It leads us in our lives to compromise. And we may not even be aware that we're compromising. It leads us to a place of acceptance of whatever is popular, whatever is being said and, and told to us as being true. It just leads us to a place of just accepting anything. It leads us to a place of, of deception where we can actually begin to believe lies. And it leads us to a place of error. Now, it's very interesting this, this summer... There are two prominent uh, people in the Christian community. One uh, was an author at a young age, wrote a very popular book for young people, went on to be a conference speaker, keynote speaker, uh, wrote other books, pastored a church, and uh, he went on to social media and announced that he was renouncing his faith. He was no longer a follower of Christ. Another one uh, was a prolific songwriter, uh, wrote many songs that we write, that we sing in, in church today. He went on to say that he also had renounced his faith. It was interesting to note that some of the objections to their faith, uh, some of the questions that they had been dealing with and raising in their own lives were questions that many people have, but if you know the word, if you know the truth, you're able to deal with them and continue to walk in faith and believe. And what was apparent in these situations is that perhaps they weren't as grounded in the word and understanding of theology and understanding of doctrine as uh, 
as maybe they might have been. And yet it's interesting that the church gave them a platform and a voice from which to speak and to teach and to do ministry. Friends, doctrine and theology, what we believe about the Word of God and our knowledge in the Word of God is important. And it's probably more important today for us than ever before because I don't think that there's been a time in Canada when our beliefs are being tested and challenged to the point that they are. You know, when uh, 30, 40 years ago in our country, whether people were uh, followers of Jesus, churchgoers or not churchgoers, we basically all had the same values. We basically all had the same belief systems. And we basically all had some knowledge and understanding of what the Bible says. It's not so today. And so it's a tragedy for us as believers if we fall into that category of being biblically illiterate and not having any grounding in doctrine and theology. And so our text this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, 13, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And here's our, our theme today until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God. We need to know the truth. We need to have knowledge of the Son of God. We need to be informed. We need to be shaped by truth, the truth of God's Word. And we need to be formed by truth, the truth of God's Word. And accept the authority of God's Word. And measure the world and the teachings of the world by the Word of God. Understanding that the Word of God is authoritative, that the Word of God is correct. But what is happening today is many people, and it's happening in the church, are measuring the Word of God by the world. They're looking at the teachings of the Word of God and saying, well, that doesn't line up with what my school teacher said or what activists are saying or what the media is telling me. So the Word of God must not be right. The Word of God has gone out of style. It's irrelevant. The world is changing. Or here's another one. We're moving on. Friends, we can't move on from the Word of God. We can't move on from the eternal timeless truths of God's word and say it's a different time. So we'll just set this aside and believe something else. I want to say it really strongly with great conviction that the measure that we must use in our lives is the word of God. That we must measure the world, measure the messages that we're hearing by the word of God and not the other way around. And so we have a need for sound doctrine. I've got to admit to you today that before I went to Bible college, I didn't have a great understanding of of doctrine, of theology. I didn't have a, a full understanding of that. And I certainly didn't have a good understanding of how important these things were. 
But as I began to study and, and learn, I began to see the importance of God's word. Here's something else that was interesting. When we went to Bible college, uh, when I was a young person, every student had an understanding of who Samson and Delilah was, who Noah was. They had an understanding of creation. They had an understanding of, of salvation, the cross, Jesus dying for our sins. And as I talk to Bible college professors today, they are saying to us that students have no knowledge of the word of God. That they're not starting with, with a, a trove of understanding of, of Old Testament stories and, and, and biblical theology. They're starting at ground zero. Because somehow the church has missed teaching the word of God. The church has missed um, some very important facts in, in raising up children to, to know Christ. I want to say this, that if you have the strength, if you have the ability, you need to be investing in the next generation. We're going to be starting up Kids Church in the next, um, in the next couple of weeks, but we haven't had Sunday school for a number of years. And the reason we haven't had Sunday school for a number of years is because we haven't had workers. And so we're raising up a whole generation of biblical illiterates. We're guilty of it ourselves. Young people that are going off into the world and off into the school system, nobody's taught them. And we need to be investing in them. So if you, can, if you can walk, if you can talk, if you can sit, if you can bend over, and if you have a knowledge of the Word of God, let me challenge you to see the importance of investing in the next generation. We need to be ministering to our kids. We need to be investing in them. Because what's happening is our Bible colleges are inheriting these young people. And in a short three to four years, we've got to take them from no knowledge of the word of God to standing up in a pulpit and preaching it. And that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. So, little advertisement there. It's easy to be taken in by wrong teaching. And a lot of people today are... Uh, being taken in by teaching because it sounds good, because it feels good, because it appeals to them on an emotional level, or it's popular. And this happens even when teaching is not biblical. And when teaching comes over pulpits and over the internet and over television screens, people are taken in by this stuff. I have had people say some of the most ridiculous I'll say stupid things I've ever heard that they've heard from a television preacher or an internet preacher and ask me the question, why aren't, we, why aren't we talking about that? I'll tell you why we're not talking about it. It's because it's dumb. It's because it's wrong. It's because it's incorrect. Because it's not biblical. We don't talk about it. One highly popular preacher who has a church of thousands and probably millions of followers was asked by a television host if Jesus was the only way to get to heaven. And he couldn't answer the question. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father but by me. Was that scripture quoted nationally on television? No. No. Instead, he talked about this religion and that religion and all these different ways. And the whole thing was very clear that he was just trying to make the TV host smile. But he left no 
definitive conclusion as to the fact that Jesus Christ is the way to God. Now here's the problem with that. Millions of people watch that, and they say, well, hmm, he said it, so I guess it's true. And it's not being checked out. It's not being weighed out. We're not discerning. And so people go, yeah, I guess, you know, you can be this religion or that religion. It doesn't really matter. It's very damaging. And so we need to be careful that we're following sound doctrine. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again so that we can be saved and forgiven. He is the only way. And you know what? That will offend people. And that will make TV hosts angry. And that will make them feel like you are narrow and bigoted and racist and whatever else is popular today. They'll throw everything at you. But that's what Jesus taught. And that's what the Bible says. And we really can't change it, can we? So why is sound doctrine important? Well, we're going to go through some of this, and uh, somebody requested that I be uh, more uh, definitive in our notes, and so you're going to be able to follow along with this and, and, and uh, write them down. So you can write these things down in your notes. Why is doctrine important? Well, first of all, it's important because it judges our thoughts and our attitudes. How many of you have ever had a, a thought and you thought, I wonder if that's right? How many of you ever had an attitude issue? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. Have you ever taken your thoughts and your attitudes and saying, I'm going to just measure those against the word of God and see if I'm on, on track? Because you see, it's thoughts and attitudes that will drive people away from Jesus Christ. It's thoughts and attitudes that will drive people away from the body of Christ. It's thoughts and attitudes that will destroy marriages and families and relationships. But if we were to bring every thought and every attitude we have and measure it against the word of God and say, hmm, I might be wrong, it could change something, couldn't it? But instead, you see, people are going along and their thoughts and attitudes become the truth instead of weighing them against the word of God. We move on. It's useful, the Bible is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. What does that mean? The scripture, the Bible, is inspired. It's God-breathed. God breathed into the word. God breathed the word. He compelled man... To, to write the word of God as he inspired them, as he moved them along. It's the word of God. And why is it God-breathed? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, C, it equips us for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.17, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for good work. 
It's the word of God that equips us. We move on, and we also find that, that doctrine and theology, the word of God, is important because it's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Psalm 119, 105. See, a lot of people today are walking away around in, in darkness. And when you're walking in darkness, you are making your choices based on your feelings. You are thinking the thoughts that you want to think, and they're not being refined or tested by the Word of God. You're making moral choices that are not tested by the Word of God. You're walking around in darkness, and that's not what the believer is called to do. We are to walk in the light. Here's another one. It keeps us on the path of righteousness. It becomes our, our road signs. It guides us. It leads us. And that path is pretty narrow. It keeps us on the path of righteousness. And we also find that Paul warns about false doctrine. It protects us from falling into the error of false doctrine. And you can turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, and tell me if you think we're at this time today. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Oh, we are in a day and an age when people are, are gathering around them all kinds of teachers to, you know, it feels good. It sounds good. It's positive. It's affirming. I, I, feel, I feel happy. Itching ears. Itching ears. Friends, we need to be careful that as we live in these last days, we are not gathering around ourselves or gathering uh, you know, at, over the internet or on the television or whatever else it is, that we're not gathering around ourselves. Teachers who will tell us what our itching ears want to hear. Things that just make us feel good. We'll be able to discern if we know the truth of the Word of God. Poor doctrine can mean that for some people that they're turning from truth into error. Poor doctrine can turn people from a, a place of faith and belief and discipleship to apostasy. That's why it's important. When I think of, of the kids, the children, they come up from our church. We have a great responsibility. They're entrusted to us. They're entrusted to us. And if they're not indoctrinated... If they're not taught, if they don't understand the word of God, they will live in apostasy. They will turn away from God. They will lose their faith. They will not have faith. They will not have belief. And it's important. Number two, the need to know Jesus. The life of the preacher... The teacher, the follower of Jesus, should reflect the life of Jesus. All of us are called to not be promoting ourselves, but to be 
living in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And when we think of some of the people that we know of, we know of celebrities, people on television, uh, people in the music industry, our favorite sports celebrities. We, we may know all about them, but we don't know them intimately and closely. It's one thing to know about somebody, but it's something to really be a close personal friend where they tell you their struggles and, and their darkest, deepest secrets and, 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 and they tell you the things that make them happy and they tell you whether they like dark chocolate or light chocolate and, and, and their favorite television shows and, and the things that make them happy, the things that make them sad. It's one thing to know about somebody, but it's something else to know them. And that's true about Jesus. We want to be more than people that, you know, we know about Jesus and, and, and the depth of our knowledge, the depth of our feeding is what we get when we come to church on a Sunday morning. But we know about him, but do you really know him? We really need to know him. 1 John 5.20 says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. See, knowing Jesus is about being in Jesus. Knowing Jesus is, is being intimate with Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll, you'll see Jesus' life. You, you begin to see his heartbeat. You begin to see what, 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 makes him, what makes him tick. You begin to see the things that make him angry and the things that make him happy. You, you see how he takes his disciples and he forms them and shapes them. And you think, hey, I think he wants to do that with me. It's knowing Jesus. Do you have a knowledge of Jesus or do you just know about him? And if you know about him, are you getting to know him better? Third point I want to make this morning is the gift of teachers to the church. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 to 13, the Apostle Paul is writing. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, these are all gifts to the church. And some of the things he talks about is that through them, through their ministry, we'll all be brought to unity in the faith and Son of God and, and knowledge of the Son of God that will be equipped for every good work. Next week, we're going to be talking about maturing in Christ, maturing in our faith. Well, so how do we deal with those who preach and teach the Word of God? How do we deal with them? Well, we first of all have to recognize that, that there are people who have a gift of teaching it's a gift from the Lord. In the weeks ahead, in the fall, we're going to be talking about the, the spiritual gifts, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. We're going to be talking about those. You have been discovering what your own gifts are, and we're going to be unpacking each one, and this is one that we're going to talk about, the gift of teaching. But we do have a responsibility toward those who preach and teach the Word of God. And this is probably going to be a little bit upside down from what you think I might be going into here. First of all, uh, we have a responsibility to learn from them. As we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, and, 
As I finished saying a moment ago, there the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are given to the church. And they're given to, to raise us up. They're given to, to teach us. They're given to instruct us. They're given to equip us. And so we have a, a great response, responsibility to respond to their ministries and learn from them. Another response that we have, another responsibility we have, is to, to learn from them. And you can look at Acts chapter 17, verse 11. And now this is a, a little reference made to some believers. They were, were commonly known as the Bereans. And it says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. That's, that's kind of like saying Winnipeggers are more noble than Calgarians. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> okay. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so we each and every one of us need to have a little bit of Berean in us. And particularly today when there's so much teaching out there that we're able to listen and discern and search the scriptures and say, hmm, was that true? Is that correct? And it's not just, you know, being the negative, cynical, critical person that, that finds fault in everything. That's not what this is talking about. But it's reading, it's learning, it's discerning, it's listening, and comparing it to the Word of God to ensure that it's true and right. Another responsibility we have toward those who preach and teach is to discern. And you can uh, go on to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Did you hear that? Test the spirits. There are false prophets, people who cloak themselves people who hold up the word of God, people who have churches, people who have ministries, people who have followers. And we have to recognize that there are false prophets among us. We need to test the spirit. We need to weigh carefully. Test the spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith. I heard about a couple this summer. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. What are things taught by demons? Think about that. I think things taught by demons are when we take the, the word of God and we distort it and we twist it and we take that which is evil and we say it's good and we take that which is good and say it's evil 
things taught by demons. Not righteous. Not born of the Spirit of God, but born of the enemy. Things taught by demons are circulating today within the pews and coming over pulpits of Christian churches. Things taught by demons. False spirits, deceiving spirits. Why is that that happening? Because it will bring people to a place of apostasy and unbelief. And many will turn from God in the last days. There will be a sifting. There will be a sifting. And there will be many that turn away. And many that will be turned away. So we need to discern. Here's another responsibility we have to (laughs) preachers and teachers. We need to make sure that what they're preaching and teaching is right. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. You hear that? We preach Christ crucified. What does that mean? That Christ came to die for our sin. Christ did not come preaching a message that says sin is okay. Christ did not come preaching that that you can do what you want, you can live the way you want, but we just love and we accept and everything is okay. No, Christ was crucified for sin. He died for sin so that men and women could come to a place of needing and recognizing that they need to repent and turn from sin and turn to Christ and let him be their righteousness instead of cloaking ourselves in our own righteousness and self-justification. But we preach Christ crucified And what about that? It's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. It is a stumbling block. People will not receive that in the last days. They'll stumble over it. I I don't like that. I I, I can't follow that. I can't believe that. It's not for me. You're narrow. They preach Christ. We need to... uh, Understand that our responsibility toward those who preach and teach is we need to hold them to account that they are teaching Christ Christ crucified. Everything we believe and receive must line up with the Bible. It's got to line up with Scripture. We do not line up Scripture with what we want to believe. We line up what we believe with the Scripture. Here's another one. We're going to close pretty quick. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Test everything and hold on to the good. Popular preachers and teachers are uh, saying things like this. Yeah, there's the Word of God, there's the Bible, but you need a personal revelation. You need to hear from God, and rather than weighing it through the lens of the Scripture, we weigh it out by, well, I, yeah, God told me this, and, and there's really, it's not based in truth. So listen, when you start hearing people say, you need your own revelation, 
your own, you know, the Spirit needs to reveal something new to you and, and extra biblical. It may not be in the Scripture. When you hear a word of knowledge, when you're listening to a message of tongues and interpretation, you need to be discerning. You need to be listening to the Spirit. If there's something in your spirit that's churning and it, it just doesn't seem right, you don't receive it. If you're not sure about it, go to the Word of God after and test it according to the Word, like the Bereans did, to make sure that what is said, supposedly by the Spirit, lines up with the Word of God. It does not take authority over the Word of God. It has to come under the authority of the Word of God. Do you understand? We need to test everything and hold on to good. So as I close this morning, we need to value knowledge. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Be discerning. Be discerning. Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, and may we be faithful to that. May we be discerning, may we be wise in everything we hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.